Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. My name is Jared Bone. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at High Street. I'm pumped to be with you all tonight as we start a series called What on Earth Am I Here For? as we talk about purpose. Uh, We're going to be using our Bibles a lot tonight. If you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in Acts 20 as well as Isaiah 40, uh, those two verses. But if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back that you can use all night, or it's going to be on the screens, or all of our notes are on the High Street app if you want to open that up. Um, But as we talk about purpose, I'm trying to think what would... Uh, some things that you might miss when you don't have purpose. And and I can remember being in a college class. uh, I went to community college my first two years. uh, Are there any OTC people in the house? They're quiet. They're here, but they're quiet. Um, Man, community college is like a unique thing in and of itself. And then I finished up at Missouri State. Uh, But when I was at Missouri State, I was like, I had all my classes done. I went into my advisor's office and he was like, listen, you only need to take like one econ class. I was an economics major and he told me, you need to take one econ class and you can take all electives. Like you can take whatever you want. Uh, You just have to fill up like a couple of things. So I was in like an anthropology class, like an English, like just some random classes I didn't know anything about, but it was so hard. And I'm sure some of you gotten this, like some senioritis. Um, You guys might already be there in the January month of your spring semester, that I had some senioritis where I was like, man, I, I don't get why anthropology is going to be important. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be severely on the back burner. I don't know if it, that a class has ever done that for you. You guys are probably much smarter than I am. Uh, but sometimes when you have a class that you're like, I don't really see the purpose for this, you're like, I have this silly homework assignment. I don't know what good it's going to do. So I'm just, I'm going to give it maybe the five minutes before class if I can, if there's time maybe that, fill it out as you're turning it in, something like that. But when you don't see the purpose for something, uh, the, the circumstances of it, the situation that surrounds it seems pretty useless. It seems pretty meaningless. And you guys have probably seen situations like that. You've probably seen situations that you uh, have no purpose in. I, I worked for a, a guy that uh, did some construction and uh, he would like point to a spot and mark it with some spray paint and tell me like, I need you to dig a four foot hole right here. And it was like, okay. Now, okay, I'm going to leave. Now go do it. So I was digging a four-foot hole for like an hour and a half. I'm not very good at digging. I'm not very strong. That's just who I am. Um, that I'm here digging this four-foot hole, and I don't know what in the world I'm doing it there for. So I have this hole that's four feet wide and four feet deep and four feet everything. And I'm like, I don't know what the four feet is for what. So I'm like making this awful hole that I'm just, I'm I'm mad at the entire hour and a half that I'm doing it and I'm just ticked off. I don't see the purpose for why I'm digging a four foot hole. And he comes back and was like, dude, it's a post hole that you just needed to, it needed to be like yay big. Well, man, you got to tell me the reason I'm doing stuff. Um, And and I think there's silly ways that we can talk about purpose, but there's also some very real ways that, man, it's easy to start going through life. It's easy to be between the ages of 18 and 30 something and go, what on earth am I here for? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why did God put me here? Why am I at school? Why am I working this job? Why did God put me with the family that he put me with? Why did God put me with the friends that he put me with? You know what I'm saying? Don't look at the people next to you. Um, but there is some of that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can, it's pretty easy to look at your life, especially when you're maybe in a spot of transition, when you're in college or you're not quite where you want to be, that you go, man, I, uh, I hate where I'm at right now. Man, when I was at community college, I was looking at it going, ah, I'll, root, I'll work really hard when I get to my four-year school. And it's easy to not see the purpose for what you're doing today. 
And it's easy when you're in school to go, ah, whenever I get a job, I'll work really hard. And it's easy to, when you're not in a relationship, go, when I'm in a relationship, then I'm going to really clean some things up. And it's easy to look forward like that and forget about today. It's easy to not see the purpose in something. Uh, You see people trying to fulfill purpose in themselves all over the place. I mean, you see people that are excited about random things that you're like, man, that's great, but that's just not me. And anybody in here a Chiefs fan? Some sad Chiefs fans? Anybody here couldn't care less? The Super Bowl, there you go. We're about half and half. That's pretty good. So when you guys see stuff about like the Chiefs or the Super Bowl or sports in general, you might just be like, man, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's the purpose behind all of this? But I think it's more than that. People try to fulfill the purpose of their life with whatever they think is going to fulfill them. So you see people around you, family members, friends, people at school, you see people f- trying to fulfill whatever it is that they think is going to make them happy. So they find out what they're good at. They try to excel at it. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's something that we should do. I think that's something that the Bible tells us we should do, but that's not where we get our fulfillment from. Um, you see people that try to just make themselves happy. They try to fill a, a pleasure-filled life. They fill it up with relationships. They fill it up with whatever's going to make them feel good. Eating something feeling something, taking that next hit, whatever it might be, you see people that are like, I don't know, I'll try it, that maybe that will help me fulfill my purpose. And what you see is people just grasping at different things. And you end up going, what is it that I'm here for? And you try it and you go, maybe it's something else that will fulfill me. And, And if you're not saying this today, you maybe said it at some point, and maybe you'll say it at some point in the future, but you'll go, there's gotta be more, right? There's got to be more than just trying to get that next hit than trying to go to the next thing that, that might make you happy. That next Instagram post that gets over 200 likes. What? Who's getting that? Because I'm not. Only if I post a picture of my kids doing something are people like, I like that. If it's like a picture of me, people are like, you're an idiot. Like that's, that's, that's the truth. People don't double click because my face is ugly. Like that's what people do. But people think like, I'm going to do whatever it is that I think is going to make me happy. Whatever I think is going to fulfill me. Whatever it is that's going to give me purpose. And you end up saying there's got to be more than this. I think our generation, I think this age group right here, wants to do something bigger than themselves. They, they want to do something that they can look back on and say, I, I've done something. I've been a part of something. I mean, this age group, more than any other age group before it, volunteers more, gives a higher percentage of their budget. And I would argue that's a big thing because we make less money than generations before us. Can I get an amen? Okay, there we go. That's what I was looking for. But I think it's crazy because our generation wants to do something. We want to be a part of something really, really big. And one of my greatest fears is that I'll look back at the end of my life, whether I'm 28 or I'm 80, and say, I lived without purpose. Regardless of what you do with your life, no one wants to look back and say, I did it for no purpose. No one wants that. So I think we need a starting block. I think we need some place that can give us perspective. Why do we do what we do? Why is it that we even get together in this group? Why is it that I'm talking to you right now? Well, we're in Isaiah 40. I want to read to you Isaiah 40. And this is talking about God. Isaiah 40, 22. It says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. who stretch, stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. 
who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. The magnificence, the majesty, the glory of our God looks at the earth and says they're like the size of grasshoppers. I mean, it's almost a silly thing. It almost seems like we're insignificant to God. But when you line it up with the rest of God's word, you know that we're not. You know that he loves you. But when you look at that, you go, man, God is big. God is powerful. Do, do, do I, I, when I was getting ready for this message, I had to ask myself, do I really live like God sits above the earth and he knows every heartbreak. He knows every happiness. He knows every sadness. He knows every person intimately and deeply. Every person who's here, that's you. Do I live like that's my God? Do I live like he is powerful? Do I live like he is strong? Like he created us, the earth, everything in it, the glory, the majesty of the earth, that he created that. Do I live that way? Because I really think if I did, and even just getting ready for this talk, I was like, man, if that's really what I believe, I need to pray a lot more. Because he sits above the earth, and he sees, and he knows not just at a, a, an us, the grasshopper level, but at, at a deep, intimate level. Do we really believe that? Because I think if we did, our response to God would be everything. Worship is just a response to God. That I want my life to be a life of worship to him. I want your life to be a life of not just you trying to figure out what your purpose is, because at the end of the day, that's just going to be the best that you can come up with. Believe me, I've been there. I've had those moments of crisis where you go, I, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know why I'm here. Even the things I'm good at, I'm marginally good at. There are a thousand other people that are better at those things than me. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why does God have me here? What am I doing? There's got to be more. But do I really live like I get to serve and love and pray to, and have an intimate relationship with the God who sits above the circle of the earth and makes things that I worry about. He talks about making princes just blow away. Do I, do I actually live and pray and serve God like he's got it? Um, we're going to be in Acts, Acts 20. Um, and I think there's a fantastic story of a guy named Paul that you probably know about um, if you've been around the, the church for a while, but Paul wrote most of the New Testament, the latter half of the Bible, after Jesus came. Um, and Paul was a guy that I would argue lives his life into a res from a response point of Isaiah 40, that he, he knew what it looked like to live a life of purpose. So I want to talk a little bit about some things that he said in the book of Acts um, that really set up, what does it look like to live a life of purpose? I mean, a little bit about Paul's background. Paul was basically, he didn't grow up in church. He was basically a terrorist towards the church. He killed and tortured, chased down. He, he wanted nothing to do with the church. He wanted the church to die. He wanted them to just stop what they were doing. He didn't get it. He hated it. Uh, but there was a miraculous day that he was on a path somewhere and God opened up the heavens and made him blind and told him, hey, you, you need to follow me. And he had this miraculous moment where he just started following God. And that's his story. And, and he helped several churches get started. He helped them along the way. He gave them advice. And he did that with the church of Ephesus. Uh, a couple books later, after Acts, you'll read the book of Ephesians. And that's his letter to, to Ephesus. Um, 
But when he is in Acts 20, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to talk to the leaders of Ephesus anymore. He's just kind of passing through. So instead of kind of getting off the boat uh, that he was on and saying, like, I'm going to go and meet with you, he didn't think that there would be enough time. So he said, leaders of the church of Ephesus, come to me. I want to talk to you. And he tells him about what he's going to do next. And that's where we pick up with him in Acts 20, verse 22. Um, so this is what he says. He gets done kind of telling them what he uh, hopes that they do and what he's going to get ready to do. Uh, but in Acts 20, 22, he says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. That here was Paul, probably towards the end of his ministry, towards the end of his career, and he's saying, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. Uh, the Holy Spirit's guiding me there, but I don't know what's going to happen there. And I don't know about you, but as a, a, a person that's in the young adult age range, to hear Paul say, hey, this next stage of life, I don't know what's going to happen to me, that's like a breath of fresh air, right? Because this group of people, this age range could be any number of places in five years. You could go back home, you could move to a big city, you could, move, you could get a great job, you could go on the mission field, you could get a family, you could have kids. That's a scary thought for some of you guys. You could have a, a, a wife, a husband, like you could have a completely different set of circumstances. And I think sometimes we can look at that and we go, if I don't know what's next, can I really get involved with what God's doing? If I don't know what the next year looks like in my life, how can I really live with purpose if somebody goes, hey, what's next on the horizon for you? And I go, I'm graduating in May. <laughs> I don't know. That I think a lot of times we disqualify ourselves because we don't know what's coming next. Living with purpose does not mean certainty. Paul's here saying, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to tell people about Jesus, but I don't know what it's going to look like. Man, I, I think a lot of times we can be so short-sighted with, I don't know what's going to happen next. So I can't see what happens in the future. You, listen, you don't have to know what happens in the future. Why? Because we just read in Isaiah 40 that God sits above the circle of the earth. Man, that's a breath of fresh air because you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have everything figured out. If you're a planner and you're here and you just heard you don't have to have everything figured out, you might be having a little manic panic attack, right? Like some of you guys are like, <laughs> I don't have to have everything I figured out, but it'd be nice. If God could fit some stuff in my planner, I wouldn't mind it. And I'm not saying don't plan as best you could. Great things don't happen without a plan. But he's going, man, I'm just going where God tells me to go. The piece that I brushed over in this is that he said, the Holy Spirit constrained me. You know what that meant? That meant that he was so in step, in tune to the heart and the voice of God he knew what needed to happen next. He didn't walk around going, man, I, I, I don't know what it is that God has. He could be doing this. He could be doing that. And that's not a bad thing. I get that that happens some. But he knew what it was that was close to God's heart, going to Jerusalem and telling people about him. Man, young adult, you may not know what's coming next. You may not know what the next phase of life looks like, but that does not disqualify you from being a part of God's purpose today. He was so in tune with what God had to say. How did he know that? He knew God's word. He talked to him every day. Man, what if you made 2019 the year of not just whatever New Year's resolution you had, but of saying, I'm going to get rid of every reason for there to be ambiguity. I want to know God's word. I want to know what his voice sounds like so that when he calls, I go. And you might go, okay, does that mean you get to figure out all the details? It doesn't. And I wish that I could sit here and go, all right, here's the plan. This is what the next 5, 10, 
40, 80 years look like, but I don't. No one can ever do that for you. But what we do know is that we can just take day by day, step by step, following Christ, reading what his word has to say, listening to his voice, talking to him, hearing what it is that he has to say, because we don't know what's coming next. Uh, Paul's a little sneaky. Uh, in verse 23, he says, I don't know anything that's getting ready to happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So he says he doesn't know what's happening next, except he, he does know what's happening next in one sense of the word. He knows what's coming, difficulty. And what he's talking about there is not just a tough time. I mean, he, he's getting persecuted for going and telling the good news of God. And, and I think sometimes we look at things and go, man, if I'm really living with purpose, it, it's like the training wheels finally come off and I can go, like I'm, I'm freed up. God's gonna open everything up and it's gonna be simple and easy and everything's gonna fall in line. Paul's standing here going, hey, listen, I don't know what's gonna happen. Actually, I know one thing. What's gonna happen is difficulty. What's gonna happen is I'm gonna make some people upset by doing what it says, what the Bible says to do. Afflictions, difficulty. People are gonna be pressing in on him, imprisonment. He's not gonna have the situation that he would have preferred because he's doing what God asked him to do, just reading his Bible and doing what it says. And you look at that and you go, okay, um, I don't, I, I don't know about you, I try to minimize every difficulty in my life, like just about everything that a smartphone can do, I want it to do that. And you're probably in the same boat as me. Um, I want to get rid of everything that could be a hiccup in my day. I never wake up and go, man, I hope today's a hard day. Like, it just doesn't happen. I don't wake up and go, man, I hope something bad happens to me. I hope somebody put, I, it, it just doesn't happen. I've never, ever done it. So how is it that Paul can be a guy that goes, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's gonna happen, but bad things are gonna happen and I'm going. Like, how does he do that? Why does he do that? How can he know that he can dive in head first and not worry about the consequences? Why? Because he knows Isaiah 40. He knows who sits in the heavens above the circle of the earth. He knows who controls princes. He knows everything. Man, sometimes it's so easy to get bogged down with just flat out bad news that you can read a couple articles and go, my word, what's the world coming to? That I think that speaks to the world just being broken. That God talked about in Genesis when God made us to walk with him in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve chose to sin and he talks about the fall, how everything was just kind of splintered and shattered after that. Man, nothing's gonna be right that you're gonna face difficulty whether you're doing what God asks you to do or you're not doing what God asks you to do. Difficulty's gonna come at some point. So in my mind, let's choose our battle. Let's do the hard thing. Let's do the thing that God says, I'm in, I've got your back. If you go and you tell, I go with you. Let's do that thing. I think there's another way that God uh, lets us see difficulty. Uh, and there's another character in the Bible that I'm going to flip over to pretty quickly uh, that I want you to see. It's in Daniel 4. It's going to be on the screens. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to flip there if you don't want to. Uh, but this is a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. Now, now, his story is not a story of persecution. He wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. He was doing the opposite of what God wanted him to do. In the story of Daniel, Daniel is a guy who was an Israelite, a Hebrew, and uh, his, his 
people, his nation got overrun by the people of Babylon. Huge country, super powerful. Um, and he was living kind of in his exile, a refugee. So Nebuchadnezzar is the king. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar did something pretty cool in the chapter before this. Um, he built a 90-foot tall golden statue to himself. Pretty neat, if you ask me. Who wouldn't like that? Wouldn't want to have that if you weren't? I don't know, it sounds pretty cool. 90-foot golden statue to himself, had every rich, had every, I mean, money, wealth, anything that the, that the mind could want. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar had it, and, and he, he's in a funny predicament. So look at verse 28 of Daniel 4. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace at Babylon. And the king answered and said, is this not great? Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? I mean, this dude thinks he's something. And he probably was. Had everything that the world could want. Fulfilled every hope and purpose that a young adult in Springfield could ever hope to have. Verse 31 is hilarious to me. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. God has a hilarious sense of timing sometimes. Um, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. Seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. God wants to show him Hey, you've been walking around with your chest puffed out, acting like you've got everything by your smarts, by your strength, by your power, and I'm going to make you walk like an ox. I'm going to make you walk like a cow and eat grass until you realize that it's me and not you. Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Nasty. Verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, it shifts and it goes from first person to Nebuchadnezzar. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. This is a worship song. He's just going. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can stay, say, none can stay his hand and, or say to him, what have you done? The circumstances that you're in today may not be ideal. And that's a tough pill to swallow. But the circumstances that you're in today are probably tough. But God's not just got those circumstances so you can learn how to budget. God doesn't just have those circumstances so that you can ah, maybe try a little better next time. God has you in those circumstances now so that you realize who sits on the throne of heaven. It's not me. It's not you. It is God and God alone. That difficulty is bound to come, even with a life of purpose. So I I don't think we need to be people that go around and look for um, a a difficult situation. That's not us. But I do think that when a difficult situation arises, we don't throw up our hands and say, what is me, and worry. We throw up our hands in worship, and we say, God, what are you teaching me? What is it? I want to see it. I don't want to miss it, because I know I've missed it. I don't want that to be us. 
Look at verse 24. Verse 24, um, he takes a, another little turn. So he says, uh, I, I don't know what's coming to me except that there's uh, difficulty and, and prison and affliction, but, kind of turns the page and says, but, I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself if only I may finish my course at the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He says, I don't account my life as anything. And he's not saying, man, I, I just, I'm not worth anything. I'm not good. He's saying, man, what I bring to the table, Paul, who we would have looked at and gone, man, hero of the faith. He wrote half the Bible. He's got it all figured out. He's a guy that lives with purpose. He didn't look at it and say, man, I, listen, when I speak, you need to listen because I've done some stuff. He says, what I offer, it's not much. It's nothing, actually. What Paul brings to the table is nothing. But he says, but only. And that phrase is, is incredible to me, but only. If only, sorry, if only, I get to finish out the ministry that God set my hand to. I mean, Tyler and I had a, a, a good month or two. We, uh, I was off work some with Christmas and New Year's, and uh, I, I, we, we had a lot of days where we just sat at home with the boys and played with them, and it was really fun. Um, but there were a lot of nights where we were like going to bed, and it's like, hey, what do you want tomorrow to look like? You have the day off. And we would talk like, you know, we could get this project done, do this, whatever. And there was that, that, sentence was kind of packed in there. Hey, if, if I only get this little project done, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm happy. If I only get to go to the store, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Um, did I think a lot of times we can shake up that if only moment to something that isn't what it's meant to be? That we can make our if only moment something to go, I'll graduate college. If only I can graduate college, I'll be good. Man, I, I I don't count my life or anything, but if only I can get married, I'll be good. If only I can, and fill in the blank with whatever that might look like, you go, it's back to you. It's back to what you can figure out. But Paul here is saying, hey, I don't count my life worth anything but to finish the race set before me. That he had this long view of things, and he talked about this in Philippians too. That he said, "Man, I just, I just want to finish the race well." That because of the, the, the perspective that Paul had on purpose, he viewed his life with a long-term lens. That again, I think we can get so short-sighted. Whatever's right in front of us, those blinders, we go. That's what, that's what I need to get done. Man, I, I can't see past this thing. But he's going, man, there, there's more out there. I want to finish my life running the race that God asked me to run. I want to do it. He says, if only. If only I get to finish my course, the ministry that's set before me from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace. You know what one story Paul had? Paul had one story, and it was the story of Christ. Now, there were a couple of people here that knew God, that knew Jesus, and, and did what he told them to do. Hey, go out and tell people about me now that I'm gone. Well, after Jesus came, lived a perfect life, did what we couldn't do, took our sin for us. He did what we couldn't do so that we could have a relationship with him. He came back to us and said, hey, if you go, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Paul missed that boat. 
But Paul had this story of, I was hating Jesus. I was hating everything about Jesus. But God found him in the midst of his dirt. God found him in the midst of his sin. God found him in, the, in a, just the circumstance that he's in that didn't make any sense and said, I love you. I choose you. I, I want to be with you. It's worth the price that my son paid so that you can have a relationship with God. That's the one story that Paul had. That's the story that he got to tell. Man, I, the only story I can tell. Man, my life's not worth anything. But if only I can just tell you one thing, it's the story of Jesus, that he's your hope for today. Not the purpose that you can find, not the vocation, not who you are to someone, but if only you can just tell the goodness of God. We're gonna finish up, but I wanna read Isaiah 40 one more time. The band's gonna come back up. I want to read Isaiah 40 one more time. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers as the earth of the earth as emptiness. That's the God that loves you. That's the God who sent his son to be what you couldn't be. That's the God who created you just the way that you are so that you can have a unique perspective of God. That's God. He loves you. He's powerful. He knows you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your dreams. He gave you those dreams so that you could reach people that I couldn't. So my question today is, will you live like you worship this God? Will you live like Isaiah 40 exists and you say, God, I know that you hold everything in your hands and the things that I worry about, you could blow them over if you so choose. That you're not gonna let the ambiguity of today, you're not gonna let the difficulty, your lack of perspective hold you back from worshiping God. Would you bow your heads? Hey, maybe you've been trying to find your own purpose, trying to live on your own, until you know that God created you and loved you. And he has a plan for you and a purpose. Anything else that you set up on that pedestal will let you down. God is our only hope. I'd like to invite you to pray because God has a bigger purpose for your life, bigger than you or I can ever set our hope on. He's telling you to come to him. He's calling you to himself. Will you respond? And that goes from the person that, man, maybe you're here and you've never heard, you've never been in a church before, you've never cracked the Bible open. God's calling you. Maybe you've been walking with him for a while, but things haven't been how they should be, that you're looking to fulfill that on your own. And that's for you, God's calling you to a deeper level of knowing him in living your life in worship of who he is and what he does. That's God, that's what he does.
We're gonna have some people come up front in just a little bit that would love to pray with you. And listen, you don't have to have any magic words. Just say, man, I think Jesus is calling me. But I'm gonna pray for, for God to move in this place and then we're gonna move back into a time of worship. Father, you hold everything in your hand and I just pray that we would be a people that respond to that. That we would be a people that see things with perspective, that we would be a people that we just never get done responding to you. God, you are so good. We haven't scratched the surface and the, de- the beginnings of the depth of your goodness. So God, I pray that someone here today would say, God, you're calling me and I wanna, I wanna give my life to you. God, that we would all see those things and those areas in our life, that sin, maybe it's not where Nebuchadnezzar was, but you're asking things from us. You're, you're allowing some difficulty to come in so that we'll see that you sit on your throne. God, we don't do anything besides turn to you and worship and live our life in response to you. God, we love you. And hey, if you're here today and that's you, man, I would love nothing more than to just celebrate with you and pray with you. We're gonna move into a time of worship, uh, but there's gonna be some some people up front that would love nothing more uh, than to just talk with you about what's going on. Um, So let's stand and sing to our Savior. Man, maybe this is a time for you to just respond to God and say, God, you are big, you are powerful, you are everything, and I can't be what I'm setting myself up to be, so I need you. Maybe you just need to respond to God in this moment, but let's stand and sing.